Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there, welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast. My name is Paul Fraser, the host of this podcast, and just so grateful that you took the time to jump on today. I know you're really going to enjoy this month's interview with Jason Small. He's the Western Ontario District Superintendent. He got elected late last year. He, Prior to that, he was the new church's network director that helped uh, catalyze church multiplication in the Western Ontario District and now stepped into a different leadership role. We chat about his vision moving forward as a district superintendent. Him and I always, <laughs> whenever we get together, we talk about the history of POC, some of the stories that we've come across. So we talk a little bit about that. Uh, why church multiplication is still going to be a priority for him and his district, and how every church can be a part of church multiplication. Stick around to the end, too, because he's got a great encouragement for you as a leader. You're going to love Jason. You're going to love his heart. You're going to love his wisdom and uh, his passion to see people far from God find Jesus. And so the interview is coming up right now. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's so good to be with you today, Paul. What an honor. Yeah, so so uh, so happy to have you on, um, man. Lots of lots going on in your life. Uh, why don't you catch us up a little bit? Uh, you were the new church's network director, but you've stepped into a new role. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, late last year, I was elected as the superintendent, and so I get to serve uh, the great district of the Western Ontario. And uh, just what an honor to be able to serve and uh, to be able to uh, see out the vision that God's uh, put on my heart for the season. I love it. And uh, I think it was, I don't know, it might have been a couple of weeks ago, you and I sat down and chatted and I was just, we were just catching up on things and you kind of rolled out your Western Ontario kind of district vision. And I just thought it was so great. And uh I mean, I know this is a national podcast. It goes all over, and you're not you're not trying to recruit people. I don't think. Uh, oh, I don't... but if there is good leaders, hey, we'll take them with WOD. Like I don't know. So. Yeah. So this is we're not just trying to promote one district over the. As I get phone calls from Ken Russell, what are you doing? Yeah. What? So. Yeah. No, that is not the intention. But we just want to hear your heart, uh, and just you know what what do you what's in your heart for the Western Ontario district as it relates to vision? Well. I kind of I come into this role in a really healthy culture like I'm just so so blessed I'm kind of standing on the on the shoulders of giants so one of the things that's so great I've got the three former district superintendents still uh, pouring into my life cheering me on so that's just like amazing amazing uh, to me and to have that kind of support and and um, just the longevity of fruitfulness in their lives and so that's been so so good um, as, as I head into the season in Western Ontario, the two, like kind of a big marker that we're looking at is healthy leaders, healthy churches. And so we just believe in, in, in that order specifically. And so that we believe that when the leaders are healthy, 
both pastoral leaders, church boards, when they're healthy, then the rest of the church becomes healthy uh, soon. And so as we pour kind of all of, all of our resource into serving to try and help see those leaders become healthy, we believe good things happen. We, we just want to inspire them to and, and re- inspire and resource them to shape their culture towards missional living and and uh, as they become culture shapers uh, towards that missional lifestyle uh, we believe good things happen so yeah so that's kind of uh, the the quick overview there's some deep dive there into some other big things that i i, I think god has on my heart too for this season but uh, i don't know how far you want me to go on that yeah well i know one of them and obviously hasn't left your heart is church multiplication Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe just talk about it. Uh, I know we have a new NCN director uh, in Western mm-hmm. Ontario District, and great to have Dave Slater on the team, not only on the Western Ontario team, but on our national team. He's going to be leaning in. Um, what what What's church multiplication look like for you? And, you know, is it going to remain the same priority? Like, how, how do you feel about church multiplication moving forward? Yeah, so good question. Um, yeah, what an honor to have Dave uh, jump in. He'll, he'll take it further than uh, my leadership ever took uh, multiplication before. So really honored to have Dave jump on the team. And Dave's like a habitual church planter. Like his whole ministry right. has been about seeing new things begin and, and start. And so... Uh, he's just going to be what a what a what a blessing he'll be yeah. to the table. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as we move forward, where I see when if we look through our history uh, at the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, uh, when we're at our best is when we're intentional about multiplication. Uh, you can look through our history and just see when we when we are intentional, when we talk about when we when we make it a priority. Uh, good things happen on this. Healthy yeah. things generally grow, and so our goal is to see healthy leaders. And so we believe that healthy things, they'll grow, they'll multiply, they'll give, and they'll look beyond themselves. And so uh, we want to produce healthy uh, leaders. We want to re- produce healthy churches. And we believe that, that that will push them on towards missional vitality, which will always, uh, or I shouldn't say always, but almost always mm-hmm. result in, in multiplication down the road. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just talking about our early start as the PAOC, I've been reading our Pentecostal testimonies, 1928. You know, it's funny, we were only like nine years old as a movement, probably close to, you know, 280, 300 churches. And already kind of the founding fathers and mothers were like, we can't lose our missional edge. Mm -hmm. We've got to reach people. If we reach Canada, we reach the world. And and some evangelists would would write articles about how we just have to be constantly sharing the gospel and the you know there's unreached people in Canada and around the world and and one of the things that popped up was surprising to me and it shouldn't but they actually talked about one of the signs of revival was church planting that if god was moving new churches mm-hmm. would start and mm-hmm. uh i know you and i have have chatted about that before. Um, you know, just going off script a little bit, I know I sent you some questions, but this one's a little off the, off the cuff here, but, but I think we've got to get back to a prayer movement again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're, we're in a spot. Uh, there's a lot of desperation right now. And, 
desperation that's unsanctified usually leads to rebellion mm-hmm. and people go in their own way but desperation that's sanctified usually leads to revival mm-hmm. and when we come back to that missional heart when we say okay god it's about the call of god over our lives when we came together as a fellowship the there the two big reasons and i push back that we're a denomination no we're a movement we're a fellowship and uh, we're a cooperative group of people that right. believe that we can do mission better together and so at, at our core the the two reasons that we formed were were world missions and so our you know we work with our global workers now and we have to keep the foot on the gas there and then secondly yep. is is church multiplication and so that's the that's the ethos of who we are and when we stop uh, that, we we stop being a movement. And so we need just to uh, come back, I believe, as you say, just to prayer. And I believe out of that comes the call of God over people's lives. We need to talk about the call of God. We need to uh, stress the call of God over people's lives. And when they have a, I, I just believe God's going to be calling some people to start new churches and new expressions right. to see uh, different people and, and new people wanted Jesus. Right. I, I, for me, and all of those things I totally agree with, for me, as it relates to prayer, as I pray more and know the heart of God more, I, I get to love the things he loves. And, mm-hmm. and I, I wonder sometimes if we've lost a burden for those far from mm-hmm. God. And, and I just read those early articles. They're like, we'll do anything to, mm. to, to share the gospel. If it means starting a church, we'll start a church. If it means starting a Sunday school in Ajax, you know, I was reading an article about that some time ago. Like, like these two ladies who wanted to go start a Sunday school, Ajax Whitby, and it's like, we, we, we must go. We are compelled. Yeah. We must meet the moment. And, and, that to me i think is would be i mean obviously there's lots of reasons to pray but that would be one big one where it's like god break our hearts again for um, for for culture I, I i look to uh back to some of our leadership as i look through history and like jage blair in the early days they would go on the train and so they had this vision that everywhere there was a train stop then there was probably a settlement large enough to start a church. Right. So they would get on the train and they would go and every stop they would get out and they would just call out to God and say, Lord, bring a new Pentecostal church to this community. Yeah. And that was, that was their heart. And they would just call out, like they just had a group of people that just went in every train stop. They would just anoint that place with oil. They would pray. And I just think, wow, we need to get back to that kind of, uh, heart to say dear jesus we we need you to move in our land yeah Yeah. and as we think about and i know you're involved in talking about toronto specifically but as we think about our urban areas there's Mm -hmm. there's places with 10 20 30 thousand people in a you know two square kilometer area Mm -hmm. there's no gospel presence i mean as it relates to a church anywhere we have wards in toronto with over a hundred thousand people with not one gospel church a hundred thousand people and uh so i I think as i look at our movement kind of as population densities increased our effectiveness has decreased yeah and so we need to really be be searching the heart of god to say how can we reach our cities we're having like thirty thousand people coming to canada every month thirty thousand people 
That yeah. means we can plant a church every single month uh, with just the immigration uh, and just and nothing, one barely keep up. We you could we like could just, plant thirty for yeah, thirty thousand exactly. people. Like, but I'm just saying, like, just to even even have a chance at keeping up. You know yeah. what I mean? And so we we need to have a heart uh, towards that. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I, I think it's okay for us to look back at our roots. I think it's okay mm-hmm. for us to remind ourselves of why we all got together at the beginning and not just our movement. I think of the Alliance Church. I think of other Baptist groups, all of them uh, evangelical groups that have gotten together and said, no, we the reason why we're starting is we want to share the gospel, uh, start new. Like m- my wife grew up Canadian Sunday School Mission. They never ever wanted to start churches, but guess what happened? They started Sunday schools and churches grew. And so mm-hmm. then they ended yeah. up becoming, you know, right across Canada and just and they're like, "No, we just wanted to do kids men." But when you plant the gospel, and just as yeah. you're talking about trains uh Jim Craig our archivist has talked about so many stories over the years of like we had gospel ships that would go to mm-hmm. places on the coast that we had uh, planes. He he told me a story one time of a guy who built a skidoo and had to wait for the lake <laughs> to freeze so he could bring Bibles across. Like yeah. that, what we have we, a bunch we of need those that. in Ontario in our First Nations communities. Yeah, the, that that uh, entrepreneurial that heart to to do whatever it takes to bring the gospel. See, I believe the Holy Spirit uh, guides us in all creativity, and creativity yeah. is not just like. Uh, how to decorate a stage and how, to, but but creativity is how to deliver the gospel in effective means for today's culture. So we, when we're at our best, we're listening and staying in step with the spirit and say, okay, where are you leading us and how are you calling us to to reach people? I think coming out of this pandemic, it's not just about going back to what was, but it's instead saying, okay, there is a just an amazing opportunity in front of us Mm -hmm. to do new creative ministry uh and to reach people for jesus in ways that like i've got this one guy he's planting a church in a video game like a a cyber world and it's like how's that even work to me i don't i don't get that world but i'm like i'm sure glad he's there because i can't be there to reach those people for jesus so we need people like that that have creative new ways of Mm -hmm. of trying stuff out to take some risk in ministry again i love that because we got to get back to creative ways to reach people for jesus and we are and that's what i love about like the multiply network new churches networks Mm -hmm. uh I know Momentum Network and BCYD, all of our districts. Really, I'm hoping we become in some ways the uh, Mm R&D department where we're able just to try new things and just see see what works. Uh, Yeah, I think that's when when you look at our movement from the past, that's when we are at our best is when we're the ones kind of at the vanguard and say, hey, let's just try it. Not for the sake of trying to look cool out there, but for the sake of saying people need Jesus. So we're actually willing to look like a fool if it doesn't work, to, but but we're going to try some things and it's going to work every once in a while. I love that. R.T. Kendall, he, uh, that quote that has been rocking my world for the last uh, couple of months since I heard, it's in his book on the anointing and just talking about, you know, needing a fresh anointing over our lives. It says, sometimes the greatest opposition to what, what God wants to do next comes from those who are on the cutting edge of what God did last. Yep. I don't want to be in opposition to what God wants to do next. Uh, uh, I'm thankful for how God's moved in the past in our movement, 
I don't want to camp there. I want to say, okay, what's the new creative thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do to reach people? You know, I don't want to go back to bus ministry, even though it was super effective. Yeah. And even though it was amazing, um, I want to move to the new thing that the Holy Spirit would want to do in our lives and and say, okay, let's get a hold of that next uh, thing and, and really uh, dive down on that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, you, you've been in this long enough, um, you know, you probably heard as, as as you were the new church network for Western Ontario district, you've planted a church, you've helped others start. And I get this question too. And I, by the way, I love our vitalization network. I'm going mm-hmm. to different, you know, district websites, pulling resources off for church planters. Like you got to check this out. We need vital churches that are multiplying. I love it. But people have come to me at least. I think you have said, well, why are we planting new churches when we have empty buildings or they're only 40% full? Or um, mm-hmm. So I guess the question is, why make CM the priority, not the, why make church multiplication a priority? Yeah, I don't think it's either or, either or but it's both and. And saying, yeah. okay, I believe as we start new churches, it actually brings new creative um, ways and, and reminders of mission to actually help regenerate our other churches. You know, it's kind of like the rising tide raises all boats, right? And so as people try new things, as they they say, okay, let's do a new plant, it, it will always create this new energy and new styles and methods. And so it will help actually regenerate all the other churches. And so we need those plants in order to see some of the others re- regenerated. I also think that the goal of regeneration is always multiplication. And so yeah. we, we want to get there. So kind of fixing the future with new starts, uh, as I've heard you say, yeah. uh, Paul, and, and kind of moving uh, towards the future that way. We, statistically, you you look and it just is, is true that, that seeing new plants is the best way to see people one to Christ. And so uh, we can't, we can't stop that there there's no yeah we just it's it's not at the expense of uh, vitalization but it's it's actually an asset to vitalization that we we keep planting churches yeah and i i love the heart too of vitalization in like i think and and others as well think you know a fully vitalized church is one that has multiplied you know, like that, let's make that the benchmark. And, uh, in, mm-hmm. you know, cause I just all see it one process. I don't see it as like, mm-hmm. I agree with you. It's not either, or it's both. And it's all part of one, one big process. Mm-hmm. And so, but we talk about, you know, we talk about church multiplication, uh, at a district, you sat on the national team and you sat, you know, you and I've had lots of conversations about where we see things moving forward. Any thoughts on what the conversation nationally should be uh, on church multiplication? Maybe we need to work better together, share resources. What what are you thinking as you kind of look across the nation? Um, So I think uh, nationally speaking, I think we have to come back to being a risk-taking movement. Okay. And so if we're we're playing it safe, it's not going to work. Uh, I think we have to say, okay, we, let's let's risk for the gospel, and not, and and I don't mean that in a sense of like, you know, just being haphazard, 
Right. But I'm saying, when was the last time, like, you don't see a miracle happen until you need a miracle to happen. You know what I mean? You very rarely experience a miracle without uh, being in a position where there's a desperation. So when was the last time that we put ourselves in a position where we said, God, if you don't come through, we're sunk. Uh, and so we need to we need to get back to that kind of uh, moment. We need to, I believe, uh, collectively as a movement, be talking about the call of God. And be speaking about the call of God and celebrating the call of God over people's lives. Because I believe that that's that's the true heart of, of multiplication where God just gets a hold of someone's heart and they say, Okay, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk in that. And um and being being missional as a movement and reminding ourselves it's about winning people to Jesus. That's kinda we're here to uh disciple uh to win disciple the lost. So um, when we get back to those things. So collectively as a whole, as nationally speaking, I think um, we need to be, how can we invest better? So fiscally uh, better, how can we invest our, our resources and, and what God's blessed us with better? What, how can we invest our best leaders into multiplication and celebrate those leaders to not be like uh, protectionists and say, not in my backyard, you know what I mean? But instead, how can we make it, how can we, uh, pave the way and make it easier for planters to 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 move out and how can we um yeah that, that's some of the the national conversation so i think it's us as leaders to say what systems can we put in place to uh to push that forward yeah mm -hmm. um just one of the things you mentioned there got me thinking and again we've chatted about this before um recruiting leaders or finding leaders now you're in a role where you know you have a heart to start new disciple making communities new church plants and then also part of your role is to help fill existing churches mm -hmm. and um and and so it's interesting now because you you're, you know you're wearing all these different hats before you're just trying to find mm -hmm. planters but now like and and mm -hmm. we know that that the boomer generation uh, like like my dad uh, pastored for almost 30 years in one community in northern Alberta, uh, just recently retired a couple of years ago. Now they, they, they found someone, you know, to to uh, pastor the church after him, but it did take a while. With the boomers re retiring and a robust church planting vision, creating all these new uh, new churches and where are we going to find all the leaders? Because 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 uh, uh, some of the like can we need to be able to? I mean, preach the call of God to the younger leaders. Uh, but I, I mean, I have some ideas about it too, so I might jump in. But like, where are we going to find leaders to fill existing churches? Plus, find leaders for all these new ones we want to start or need to start. Well, uh, I think it's not just one avenue, and I think we've uh, traditionally gone down the road of okay. Let's just get that leader that goes to Bible college comes out. And then, uh, so I think we have to have a more diverse approach. So I think the Lord's sending us people from all over the world, which is amazing. Yeah. And so totally. we, some of our greatest growth is, is with our new Canadians and our, our uh, population moving into Canada. So that's amazing. And we need to, we need to harness that and, and, and kind of, uh, make it easy for for new Canadians coming in. Secondly, I think um, we need to celebrate the co-vocational 
uh, yeah. pastor and and say you know what sometimes we've looked down and said well you know if you work hard then you'll get to a spot where you can be full-time and i think god's calling a number of people into uh co-vocational ministry and and so that i think is a real key uh moving forward in, in the new day and and i also think it's it's releasing young leaders together and saying okay uh you can actually plant something at a young age you don't have to go and you know have 15 years of experience before you can plant something but but like why not try something uh early on and and uh, grow in this and so i think it, it has to be a concerted effort on lots of areas of of leadership and so for us as as a movement to create pathways for those leaders mm -hmm. uh, to come alongside disciple them uh to be uh on the go learning mm -hmm. uh so we're probably not going to see them like come out of a second career and go back for four years of education, then go into planting. So we have to do it as they, yeah. as they are in process. So kind of build the plane in the air, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so those are a few things that I think of for, for getting those new leaders. Yeah. I, I, and I think, I think all those things are absolutely like all the things you mentioned are absolutely dead on and those are some of the things that we're trying to find not only for existing churches but for also planting you know a second career uh you know leader that's maybe already getting a pension at 55 because they started early in their career and you know and can maybe volunteer or co you know be a co-vocational leader um, start something like that one of the things jason that that you and i have talked about has been that maybe, you, you know, the leader that looks and says at our current predominant church model that we, you know, we see all the time, which is great and has served us well. I think a lot of leaders go, if that's what church planting is, I don't think I can do that. I don't know if I can rally, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, raise two, you know, 200,000 and rally 50 or 60 people to jump on board and, and to preach every week and to, you know, just to know how to put together a, you know, a really solid service and, but I'm really good at discipling and leading people to Jesus or, um, you know, I think the model, if we were able to, uh, you know, mm -hmm. give permission for other models, for example, microchurch. Yeah. Right. I, I actually believe that's going to be a lot of the future as we move forward and to create space for that microchurch and, kind of an apest model of uh, church multiplication. Right. Say, okay, here's my giftings. Let's pull together others with other giftings. And uh, and together as co-vocational leaders, let's start something. And it doesn't have to be the big machine of a large uh, organization, but instead that home church or that uh, that uh, church that we meet in a, in a restaurant or a bar somewhere you know, those different uh, models moving forward, I think, have validity. I think sometimes we've we've mischaracterized uh, big as better and small as not as good. And uh, actually, I think there's room for there's room for both. In totally. The future. Totally. Yep. Um, one of the one of the things that that whatever we do, it needs to have disciple making culture, because I think that's mm -hmm. what maybe has been exposed in this pandemic is as I look at the ACLR stats, which is our all church life report stats. So there are national stats. We see a big drop off in churches, for example, in 2020, uh, 
that that reported no people came to Christ in that year because you know they're online, not sure how to track it, probably lots of different uh, they're not meeting in mm-hmm. person. And and I think and there's other things as well that just kind of point to the lack of disciple making culture that we have and I love the conversations about disciple making culture. And I think whatever we do whether it's microchurch or satellites campuses it needs to have that disciple making culture. Do you have any thoughts around that? Yeah, and I think it starts at the once again back to the leaders. It starts with us. And so if right. we're not it, making disciples as our leaders in as a lifestyle, not a job per se, but saying, you know what, I I got to be reaching my neighbor and I got to be reaching my uh my friends right. and I have to have friends that know, don't know Jesus in order to do that. Um, then it's hard to uh, celebrate that as a culture. Like it, yeah. it, you can you can tell people what to do, but when you live it out, it's totally different. And so I I think all of our leaders need to kind of have that uh, to prioritize that again and to get back to yeah, it's not professionalizing uh, that part of the gospel, but instead it's living that out as a life. Uh, call over each and every one of us as believers. Yeah. And when, yeah. when, when we say that we have in our particular movement, and uh, I think it's like a quarter million people that would call Pentecostal Assembly churches their home, and for us to say we have a leadership crisis, to me, yeah. that's not a leadership crisis. If, we, if we're not producing leaders, then that's a discipleship mm-hmm. crisis. And as we become intentional about that and releasing into it, I think some some of what we've done in our churches where it's it's a consumer style of worship, where it's like, come and yeah. there's five people in an entire church using their giftings on a Sunday morning. And so where are we developing those in people? And what are we doing to, uh, to find that, uh, pluck those giftings out of people, see it in them, yeah. and then push them forward in, in utilizing those giftings. And so, yeah, we got to get, uh, got to get better at that and find avenues and, and ways to do that effectively. Yeah. And, you know, so you, you said earlier um, that we could fix the future uh, with, with, with new starts. And the idea behind that is every new start would have disciple making culture, but I also mm-hmm. think our existing churches can make the shifts necessary in fact need to make the shifts necessary where it's actually more about sending you know like i love rick warren uh you know he did a great podcast recently with carrie newhoff just kind of talking about his uh, 40 plus years in ministry at saddleback but he he's had all these great saves but one of the ones i remember because be more impressed with your sending capacity than your seating capacity yeah for sure you know and that change of metrics paul is so key for the future yes like, I think our metrics need to be around, okay, how many people have we, like, what if we stopped counting, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that all the metrics around counting, you know, the size of our building and the number of people in it and our bank accounts is all bad, but I am saying they shouldn't be our primary metrics. They should be way secondary uh, our metrics of how many people got baptized in our church, uh, what percentage, not even just how many, what percentage of our people are are fresh baptisms in the last year. And 
how many people are being sent and called uh, towards uh, using their gifts in ministry. Yep. And if we looked at those percentages and, and that was our key indicators of health, it would change what we do a lot of the time. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that we, we need to get metrics that are, are Christ-centered metrics. Back. Yeah. yeah. Like I thought, what would it be like if I you know, wandered around even our home church that we go to or other churches and said, uh, you know, just randomly ask someone, hey, who's discipling you and who are you discipling? Mm-hmm. And and if I could get enough answers of like, oh, this so-and-so disciples me and I'm discipling this person, you hear that enough, you probably think, oh, yeah, that's you probably have disciple-making culture in your church if you ask, you know, 10 people and 8 out of 10 say, oh, yeah, we've got this, this, and uh, I... So I've I've had to ask myself that same question. Yeah. Yeah, right? I wonder not just at church, what if our, our district conferences we asked that, you know right. what I mean? And, and yeah. Yeah. Well, Jay, I know you I know you got lots to do today. Uh and thanks for jumping on, but just wanted to leave you a, a spot here to encourage church planters and multipliers in this season. Yeah, I uh, just uh want to encourage you like there is nothing you can spend your life at that will be um so great is is just giving it for um the cause of the gospel specifically around multiplication like what an adventure yeah what a ride and i think back to you know starting out our church and uh water down and and in my living room with a handful of people till the till the final sunday we were there and seeing it grow and being able to plant churches out of our church and like it was the greatest ride and just so amazing. And so I just want to encourage you the the moment that we're in doesn't pause the mission we're on. I've said that that's our quote around a bunch. And, yep. and I believe that this is the greatest opportunity to try new things. We are like, this is the most exciting moment to be in ministry coming out of a pandemic uh, blank page in front of us. Right. Time to try new creative things like never before. This is this is the greatest moment. And so uh, I want to encourage people that you might be like, hmm, what does that look like? Am I do I have the giftings or skills? Am I too young? Am I too old? Or you know whatever. I want to encourage you. This is a moment to step out. Paul, I also want to speak to actually to some of our female leaders. Yes. You know, if I look at our movement and I look at Western Ontario, I did a little study on how their churches got started. You know, our biggest churches in our fellowship were started by female pastors. I know. And uh, like, if you just take a look at our top 20 churches, uh, I think almost 12 of those top 20 were started by female pastors. Come and on. So Come like, on. We need to uh, we need to be encouraging our female leaders to step out and plant as well. Yeah, and uh, they just yeah, just something uh, on my heart. Just as we we kind of wrap up too, didn't want to miss that. And so great days are ahead, and uh, I think every church needs to be a part of multiplication in some way, shape, or form. So whether it's uh, yeah. giving to a, a new church plant, whether it's planning one yourselves, uh, get coming alongside maybe. You can help billet their finances and and yeah. run their finances through your church, or give them space, or give them equipment. Whatever it is, every single church, there's no excuse for not being involved in church multiplication in some way, shape, or form. Your church will it will help your church stay on mission as well. So just uh, great days are ahead. We need to keep our foot on the gas when it comes to this for sure. And I I 
couldn't agree more with everything you said on that. The the our our women leaders who are church planting or uh, thinking about church planting, man, we just want to throw gas on that fire. That is just yeah, we're sure. we're really excited. And every mm-hmm. church can be involved. You can if if you can't plant and you can't partner, mm-hmm. you can pray. You can yep. pray. Our church planters, if you're an existing church, you already have an army of people praying for you. But a new yep. church plant, they don't have that same army praying for them. Pray for a church plant. Yeah, Paul, I don't want to correct you because you're running the podcast, but you said if you can't partner, and I would actually challenge that statement from any church. Every church can partner with the church planter, okay. whether it's $2 a month or whatever, you can partner with a church planter. You need to, uh, it, it, I believe. It, it's just key. So I think, uh, yeah, you got to pray, but you got to partner too and find somebody, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're just coming alongside another planter, every church should be partnering with a, a plant. I love that. And you can correct me anytime. You're a district <laughs> superintendent. No, 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 no. You're my boss. You're my boss. So, no. Jason, now everyone knows why I like you so much. They've heard your heart today. Thanks for leading so well. Keep going. We just we're sick. We're so excited for Western Ontario District. We're grateful for, like you said, you are standing on the shoulders of giants and uh, people that have gone before and built the foundation. And you're just going to add another layer to that. We're we're really excited and can't wait to see what God's going to do. Yeah, great days are ahead. I'm I'm learning like crazy, so I've got lots to learn. But uh, just I love our fellowship, love what God's doing. Yeah. Um, and Paul, I just want to say a huge thank you uh, for your leadership, and and I love how we're we're collectively as a movement coming back to prioritizing multiplication, and as you're the glue across our nation with that and set, setting that vision, uh, we're just we're cheering you on and believing for great days ahead. Come on. Can't wait. We'll see you yeah. at we'll see you at the Multiply Network event. Yeah, make sure everyone shows up. Yeah, pre pre general conference. Yeah, so. pre general conference. We're doing a Multiply Network event. I know you're in meetings for some of it. I'll but... be there. I am gonna sneak out of those ones and come to the <laughs> really exciting ones at the Multiply <laughs> Network. So yeah. Thanks, Jason. Okay. We'll see you.